At 9pm on Wednesday the 7th of October 2020, Gareth Jones on Speed celebrated its 400th episode by going live on YouTube for a video stream. Presented here is a mildly edited audio version of the video that you can also watch at youtube.com slash TV. Oh my gosh, thousands of virtual people cheering all around the known car universe. Welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed, episode 400 live. My heart is beating, as I'm sure are the collective hearts of my co-presenters for the last 400 episodes or thereabouts. A huge welcome, please, for Sarah Leach, Zog and Richard Porter! Hi guys! Yeah, we're here to celebrate 400 episodes of a really stupid idea of yours, Zogs, and Violet Berlin, who both said you should make a podcast, and it was your idea to do it about cars and motorsport, and call it Gareth Jones on Speed. You came up with that. Yeah, your recollections are slightly better than mine. Yeah, I, I really couldn't remember who came up with the title. I remember us talking about the idea, and it seemed like a terrific thing to do. And 400 episodes in, yeah, it clearly was a terrific thing to do. And I'm very glad that we've had Richard and Sarah along for the journey, and we're still going. What do you remember about the first show, the first recording, the first attempt to put it up? Do you remember any of that, Zog? I remember that we kind of were feeling our way a little bit with the first couple of episodes in particular, and we were trying to do a couple more sort of, you know, on-location things at the time. We went to Um, Silverstone, didn't we? Yeah, we went to Silverstone, which was a good little report. But in hindsight, you know, good though that was, it wasn't until we got into the routine of the kind of chat, the kind of conversations that we have now that we found the sweet spot, I think, for our content. I absolutely agree. Which brings me to you, Richard. Because I remember on, was it show three or show four, where you joined the team, came over as a guest... And the idea was to do some research about you doing a Sniff Petrol podcast, but that went out the window, didn't it? Was it? I don't remember. I think that's right. Oh. Yeah, you would. You would. Was you, I? You would. I, you would kick the idea around, and I think you maybe. came by my office. That's right. In the BBC, at White Garrett, City. Yeah. And I wasn't there, and you left me a note. And the next day, some of my colleagues went, um, "Yeah, you know that bloke off How to." <laughs> or, Get fresh, depending on how old they are. Yeah, this is probably pre A one GP. Maybe it wasn't. He's been by and he's it, left you a note. And I was, I think we maybe spoken once on email, and then we met. I think at the A one Grand Prix. That's race. right. Yeah, I I actually came into the BBC for a meeting with Top Gear at the time. And I won't go into what that was all about. But as I walked past a monitor, it had Sniff Petrol as the screensaver on the monitor. And I said, I love Sniff Petrol, I just said out loud as I walked past. And they said, oh, well, the guy who runs that website, Richard Porter, that's his desk, which is why I left a note. And yeah, then we met up at the first A1GP race of them all, which would have been September 2005 at Brands Hatch. And we discussed you coming on the show and you were thinking about doing a podcast. And when I went through the whole process of recording, editing, mixing, publishing, writing the RSS feed, working all that out from first principles, because no one else was doing it at the time. These days, it's just, you know, I plug in on WordPress and boom, off you go, you're a podcaster. It was very different then. And I think I frightened you off about the amount of work involved. And so you agreed to do a sort of a wizard and chips thing. 
and that combined Sniff Petrol and Gareth Jones on speed. If you look at the logo behind me, that logo with Sniff Petrol slapped on like a plaster as a sort of an adjunct to Gareth Jones on speed. It's like Wizard and Chips, the comics, when they combined, I always think. What I remember is that when we started doing it, we sat down and then one week you went, you know what, this might be better if we stood up. I think maybe you'd bought a new microphone stand or something. We should stand up. Couldn't work out how to lower it. Yeah, it was jammed in the up position, so we had to stand up. And that that's all I can remember. But that's the yeah, those early ones, we sat down. We drank quite a lot, I think, or certainly I did. And I used to smoke as well. And basically, we used to do short bits of speaking and then stop so I could have a cigarette and refill my glass. Because I was Edmund's slackbladder even back then. So, uh, and it's only got worse because I'm middle-aged now, right, guys? Uh, <laughs> How yeah. many times are you getting up in the middle of the night? <laughs> I'm a bit of a hijack, late starter. I don't feel as though I've got, well, nowhere near as many runs on the board, that's for sure. Certainly wasn't there at the beginning. <laughs> Do you remember the circumstances in which we first met? And yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, that weirdo at the hospital club. <laughs> That's not an actual hospital club. It's a club called the Hospital Club. We were the there at a, a media networking oh, opportunity. Yeah it, was, yeah, it was a media networking thing. It was executive producer from the Graham Norton show, and then they had some people from Top Gear there, and I just went along because I was in the area for work. And, yeah, I remember running into you and chatting. And I think I just worked on the Formula E then, so got chatting. I got the impression straight away, because you were there and you were talking about cars, and you were talking about Formula E even then, I thought, this could be a real asset to our programme. <laughs> we need some fresh blood. And we got you in, because it's always difficult to get all four of us, or certainly in those days, the three of us, together in one room. And I reasoned that we needed a bit of an expanded lineup just in case well, one of us could make on, it. Gareth, since on this occasion, can I tell people one of the reasons it was often difficult to get you, Zog, me, to find a date where we could all meet up to record is because, and this only occurred to us belatedly, you only ever use a Slade 1973 calendar. <laughs> and without fail, and I promise I'm not making this up or exaggerating, without fail, every single time Gareth would go, okay, we all good to meet on Tuesday the 19th. And one of us, Zogger, I would go, Gareth, Tuesday is the 20th. Oh, right. What did I mean then? Monday, the, the, are, you, are you in 1973 again? Yeah, yeah, I think I might yeah, be. So, it was forever quite confusing. And we worked out eventually it was because of the Slade 1973 calendar, which, of course, hasn't got all the dates of, say, 2010 on it. It'll be correct again in the... by the fact that I so often was playing poker on Monday night. So there was quite often a poker podcasting clash being set up. Well, that was your uh, first podcast. Your poker podcast was how you pioneered the idea and said you should be doing this because you did uh, that yeah, before yeah, I, I was on doing speed. a poker podcast uh, a couple of years before that. That's right, yeah. yeah. So actually, it wasn't the first online poker podcast, but I think it was the first UK online poker podcast. Why am I not surprised? Um, you pioneer. Yeah. Great show. Cool. All right. Well, I think we ought to have a bit of a roll call, guys. I want to say hello to the many people who have joined us this evening. And I'm going to read down the list. Just a, a roll call of, oh, so many people. Forgive me if I repeat your name your or name, mispronounce sir. it. But hello, John Burquist. Hello, Paddock720. Hello, Doug Hall. James Minshew. Jonathan Gitlin. Jonathan in the States. Uh, that's fantastic. Chris O'Brien. Rocking Kitten in the Netherlands. Paddock720. 
2020. James Cadwell, BA55 BAR, we know who that is. The Rushton, Verse Andy. Senna Trowell, Mike Shed Digital Media, my friend John Coombs, Cleland Fan 81. Oh, we should talk about that, shouldn't we? Should talk about the BTCC of the past. Alex is there. Hey, Alex. Alex Goy Jennings. There he is, Robert Jennings. Yes. Tito Fan, Dave Stebbings in the house. Oh, Alex hey, Goy, we see Ultra you. Ultra listener. I really hang on, hang on. We should go to Richard for that. Hang on. Hang on, Richard. Wait for it. Do that again. Ultra listener. <laughs> Thank you very much. Beautifully done. Uh, Violet Berlin, who's actually acting as executive broadcast advisor on the darkened couch in the other side of the room. You can see that you're on there. Fastest Funk. That's a great name. We love that. Yeah. Hello, team. Doug Hall. Yeah. Okay. I think that's everyone. It's not everyone, but it's many of the people for the moment. Now, I'm sure you guys watching in YouTube land uh, have things to ask about the programme. Don't be shy. Whatever it is, even if it's not about making the programme, if it's about cars or motorsport or things that you know we like or better hate, ask us those. It's going to take about 30 seconds for the messages to filter through because that's the delay time between me broadcasting and you receiving and it coming back to me. So let me get back to the gang. Gang, why do we still do Gareth Jones on speed? Because we love it. Well, I, I don't. I took the summer off. So. Is, is there a rhetorical <laughs> question? <laughs> no, it's, I really enjoy being a part of it. It's great. And your enthusiasm, Gareth, is infectious. So I've loved being part of it. It's good. And I've enjoyed keeping up to speed. It's helped me keep up to speed with all the motorsport and stuff. So, yeah. See what I've you did good. There. Sometimes I add value. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> with the great advantage of doing Gareth Jones on speed is I have to watch the races live on Sundays because yeah. now it's work. <laughs> Briefly, we love it. But I guess fan on that, you know, it, it, it's a way to engage with a culture, a thing that we love watching and participating in in various ways when we get a chance. And it's kind of forces us to engage with each other's ideas about this and kind of make a bit more of our enthusiasms. It's one of the things that we care about and we're passionate about. I've always said that spitting image is the model for the program, because I made a documentary about Spitting Image in about 1987 or something for Children's ITV. I spent a few days with them making the program, and I realised that they shot most of the sketches in the program sort of in advance over a week. And then on the day of transmission, they recorded a very short pre-show gag that was topical, and another one for the middle of the show and something near the end. So it made the whole show seem as if it's topical. And, of course, they finished with a ridiculous song. And that's exactly what we do with Gareth Jones on Speed. You know, we do our chat and then we write the topical gags and put them in at the last minute. Zog, are you drinking champagne? Um, <laughs> it's not actually champagne. It's a Cremant de Bourgogne. It's, it's French bubbly made in the same <laughs> method as champagne, but not in the champagne region, if you want to get technical. It's, but, uh, it's but a yes, little I'm champagne. Fact, but, um, Zog is very much the most bling <laughs> of the team. We, we got some questions. There's like loads of questions coming through. Yeah, I've lost it now. Someone asking, forgive me, but I can't find the name. Can you hear Finn, yeah, the cat? Yeah, I've lost the question who it was from, but I can tell you what the question is. Sarah, we'll start with you on this because it's vaguely okay. in your department. 
I think I know the thing. Extreme A quick fire question. That's it, question? yeah. I read that. I read that. You spotted it. Can you see who it was from? Extreme E. What's your thoughts on Extreme E so far? I think it's great so far because don't they team up as a female male partnership? So there's quite a few female drivers that have been signed up for it. And I think it's great. And they're going to go around and compete in different cities in accordance with good things for the globe, I suppose. I'm not next. I haven't read up on it in detail. But I know what it's about and I think it's really good. And particularly the cars. Richard, you might be a bit more of an expert than me on this. The cars that they're using for Extreme E, they're not quite rally cars, but they're sort of all-weather, rough terrain vehicles, aren't they? And Lewis Hamilton is going to be involved. So that's very exciting. And you've also got Jamie Chadwick and quite a few other prolific sort of female drivers that are up and coming also involved. So I think it will be a really great series and I think it will bring something different to the fore in the motorsport world. So that's my little take on it, and I think it's definitely a good thing. And obviously electric cars, and so it'll be good to see how those go in the terrain and the rough or the extreme temperatures. Uh, Zoggy? As with any new direction in motorsport, I want to see how it works out. I want to see what it'll be like in practice. I think on the reliability side of things, I guess you've got these kind of competing things of, on the one hand, there are fewer things to go wrong with electrical systems than internal combustion engine systems broadly speaking, fewer moving parts, but then you've got much less mature technology and much less experience in running these vehicles and running these vehicles under those conditions. Is it Um, more interesting than Formula E? um, Possibly. I think in a way, yeah, because to be honest, I've struggled a little bit to get into Formula E as much as I might have liked, partly because of the sound, you know, the, the cars are a bit too quiet and the sound of the vehicles is often a big part of the appeal. Yeah. At least with Extreme E, you've got things crashing and banging and, you know, <laughs> there's there's a bit more making noise there. Uh, Richard, taking no noise to the desert, flying around the world to look after the world. It's a slight mixed message, isn't it? Yeah, but they're supposed to be doing us on that enormous ecological boat, aren't they? So I don't know. I mean, yeah, if you want us to really help, then just stay home. Keep quiet. <laughs> But, well, apparently, uh, um, you know, staying at home throughout... Too much water in it, that saves electricity. Um, but, what were you sorry, saying, Sarah, about staying at home? Oh, I was just saying, during COVID, while this lockdown happened, it did great for the global climate. <laughs> Stay at home. All the, you know, it's better for the planet. Yes, yeah, less carbon emissions. Yeah, emissions are dropping all over. Yeah. Absolutely. So, okay. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted Richard. Were you uh, I, don't have a, I don't have a lot to say about it. It's, just, it's kind of intriguing, isn't it? It's interesting that Hamilton's got a team in there. And I know my old colleague from Top Gear USA, Tanner Faust, is doing the shakedown stuff on those cars and was uh, is he? Yeah. saying good things about them on Social media of the day, but then he would do because he's been paid to, <laughs> paid to shake down the car. But, you know, he knows what he's doing. And so hopefully he'll find goodness within it. But, yeah, I don't know about the whole going. You know, I, I would just, it, look, if you're going to do it, do it. Don't try and claim eco-credentials for it that maybe are questionable. And also, if I'm honest, don't go to Saudi Arabia if you're not <laughs> claiming virtuous. <laughs> Unless well, you like the idea of a country that dismembers its own citizens inside an embassy. But, yeah, that's just me. Maybe I'm being picky. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 I mean, to, to, to slightly push back against so it's the first part of what you're saying, at least they're engaging with the challenge of how you do actually still run any kind of motorsports in the massively changing environment that we have. Um, mm. in, in, there isn't a long-term future for internal combustion engine cars. So if you're going to think about the future of racing things, you've got to think about racing things other than the things that we're mostly racing at the moment. So, so this, uh, is a, this is a problem no, for no, me no, because... This is a problem for me because we've always built the show. We initially built the show as the podcast 
perpetual hedge. Now, we, 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 we are still petrol hedge, but we are equally interested in alternative power systems, you might say. So if anyone out there can think of a strap line for the show that replaces podcast for petrol heads, some alliteration, something that covers all cars, I'd love to know. Here's a question from Jonathan Gitlin, who is the man responsible for planting the idea that Zog and I should attempt to drive from Land's End to John O'Groats for Gareth Jones on Speed in a Hyundai Kona electric. Jonathan's question is this. Favourite LMP1H cars of the cars which race in the top category at Le Mans? Briefly, you got a favourite? Which one and why? Zog. Oh, easily the Porsche 919. We had a fantastic era there that we were privileged to see that particular era of endurance racing when Toyota, Porsche, Audi, Peugeot were all going at it with very different vehicles. And, you know, all credit to the ACO for coming up with the kind of regulations that enabled different manufacturers to come in with their very different technologies and compete on an even footing. Yep. We got some amazing racing out of it. And it won it in uh, its second attempt, wasn't it? Or was it the first yeah, attempt? Second, it was second attempt, no, yeah. No, it didn't win first time out. Mm. But yeah, second time out it won. Porsche had come back into the top line of endurance sports car racing in order to prevent Audi from stealing their crown of most wins at Le Mans, mm-hmm. which Audi would undoubtedly have gone on to do. And with the three wins that the 919 achieved, Porsche kept their lead at the top of that particular table. And it was just, you know, particularly as the company proved when, after they retired the car, they did that kind of victory tour of circuits and set new record times at the Nürburgring at Spa. That was the 919 um, Evolution, wasn't it? That's that was the 919 Evo, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, but what they essentially did, obviously the, the 919 that we saw racing and winning at Le Mans was a spectacular and very complicated piece of racing machinery that was designed to work within a particular set of rules. Yeah. What they did with the 919 Evo to set the record times at those circuits was to... Trim it off. Yeah, remove some of the limits. It was the, the club sports imposed. version, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the, no one's telling us we can't turn this up to 11, take yeah. this restriction off. To, you know, I can't really remember all the detail of just exactly what they did, but you know, throughout the car... I think everything through from electrical things and not running some extra electrical systems. But, you know, they just to unleash the full potential of that vehicle. If you've never seen the onboard lap of the 919 Evo at the setting its record time in the Nürburgring, you've got to watch that because it's just insane. You know, you really you watch that and you think, well, first of all, how on earth did someone manage to put that lap in? And you just think, surely that can never be bettered. Okay. Sure it will be. So, thank you. Richard, you got a favourite LMP1A? Same as Saga thing. Really? Really? Yeah, I thought, yeah. It was really good. I quite liked it. It was intriguing, some of the engineering in it. And yeah, as Zog says, when they took the stopper out of the bottle, it was insane. It was just incredible what it could do. It was almost unreal, I think, when you watch some of that footage of it going around. Over a thousand horsepower with its combined uh, 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 delivery yeah, system? I'd say, yeah, it must be. Easily, I would have thought. I mean, yeah, because they could just cut loose. And I noticed that they sort of, I think they blanked off the headlights and stuff like that, I guess, just to smooth out the yeah. front of things. It was, yeah, it was really tricksy. And I just like the way it looked as well. I mean, I don't think any of those new generation cars are sort of pretty, pretty, are they? They're not xjr9 pretty but they're kind of striking and quite like the way the porsche looked in that respect so yeah same for me i'm afraid sarah i know you're not really as lost in le mans as we are you've never actually been there 
But well, I can talk about a winning car though, can I? Of course you can. Well, well, what I will say is the car of interest for me at the moment because I am actually working on something that has given me enlightenment to this particular vehicle, and it's the winning car of the 1995 Le Mans, LMGT1. Oh yeah, and it was the McLaren, McLaren ninety five. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. So it's it's now like a legendary supercar. So it's a very good looking car, number fifty nine, and I think that will go down as one of the all time greatest sort of supercar sports cars. It was the last vehicles. car. GTR, it was the last road going yeah, car to win Le Mans outright, yeah. wasn't it? Extraordinary. And also so significant for being. I mean, they always say you never win Le Mans in your first attempt. McLaren won Le Mans yeah, on the yeah, first yeah. attempt. And I, I am actually quite a fan of McLaren in general. And the finishing driver that drove through the checkered flag was J. Yannick J. Dal- Dalmas. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Yannick Dalmas. I've got that model of that car not on the shelf behind me because I'm rotating them, but I've got it somewhere. Okay, stay there. The BMW engine, actually, to say. Yes, that's right. Yeah. It's an absolutely legendary car, and it's also one of the unusual examples of a vehicle where the road car is actually faster than the race car. Because, because they have the, to uh, throttle it back for the race. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and also, I think, because of the aero that the race car had that made it a little uh, bit draggy. Even though it's won three times now, the Toyota TS050, not TS050, TS050. That oh, wow. isn't my favourite. My favourite hybrid car was actually the Audi uh, was it called the 18? I've lost track 18. now. TD, our mm-hmm. 18 TD. Because it was the first time I'd seen a hybrid diesel car. But it wasn't seeing it that was the most exciting thing about it. It was hearing it at Le Mans at night. Either when we were at our friend Bertrand's farm, right on the corner of Indianapolis. Cars go past, they go, yeah, brum, brum. Then the Audi R18 TD, whatever it was, went past. You heard vortices leaving the rear wing. You heard the turbo, and it, it was like a science fiction car. It went as it went past. Very little sound from the diesel engine. You know, you couldn't hear the diesel for the aero. So that's my favourite LMP1H car of all time because of the sound it made. But one of my favourite Le Mans cars of all time isn't an LMP1. It's the Chrysler or Dodge Viper. Who was it? It was Dupé, Wendlinger and Oliver Beretta. 2000, year 2000. That car looks like it could have been designed any time in the last 50 years, from like 1958 to 2010. That's what I love about that car. It makes a ridiculously crude, reliable, big, wonderful Le Mans car. Right. Mm. Okay, thank you for your questions. We'll take more questions in a moment. I think the gang's all here, largely, right? You know, we've got the four of us here, but there are lots of people who've been involved in this programme over the years who aren't with us in person, but they're here in message form. Our first message comes from someone who's appeared on On Speed countless times, car journalist Alex Goy. Happy 400th episode, Gareth Jones on Speed. That's an enormous number of podcasts and, well, some quite frankly incredible amount of waffle. Well done to you all. And you asked me to reminisce and think about some favourite memories. Being on the celebration show, the live show, that was pretty cool, as was being Mistake for Zog outside the venue. That's always special because it's nice to know that apparently all shortish bald blokes with glasses 
look the same. We're all identical, apparently. Makes us all feel special. As far as other favourite memories go, I think it's got to be going to Le Mans and going to the Guinness tent, getting decently lashed up and meeting people and talking to people and having lots of big hugs and being very excited about what was going on and really soaking up the atmosphere of what's going on around us. It, it always feels kind of magical. There's a great community spirit which you get only really with podcasts and with things that have got a great community and a huge amount of love surrounding them. And that's really special to me. That's what I really enjoy doing. Also coming over to Gareth's house, drinking far too much and falling over. That's always a giggle. And being Janine, Elon Musk's secretary. She's got a special place in my heart. So yeah, congratulations guys. Congratulations on 400 episodes. Um, thank you so much for letting me be a tiny part of it. Um, just being able to listen to something like that over the years has been super special, but being able to come on and be a part and have a natter about cars and racing cars and how much I dislike Lewis Hamilton and Formula One, it's been really cool. So thank you very much and congratulations once again. This next message is from the undisputed queen of Formula One PR, Anne Bradshaw. Hi, Sam Bradshaw here. I'm talking to you about an audio podcast, so it doesn't matter if I'm wearing a mask, you won't see me, or will you? Anyway, I understand that Gareth Jones is 400 years old. No, no, I've got it wrong. 400 editions, episodes of the great Gareth Jones on speed. That's what it's all about. Amazing man, lovely man, great podcast. I wish you all the best of luck for the next 400. And whether you're on speed or off speed, you're still one of my favorites. Lots of love and keep up the good work for the next 400. Oh, Anne Bradshaw and Alex Goy, two of the loveliest people in the world of cars and motorsport we know. Anne Bradshaw, who, as you know, was PR for Damon Hill, Ayrton Senna, Nigel Mansell, the Williams team, and, of course, uh, Lance Stroll. Did you know, by the way, I nicked this off yesterday's pop bitch email if people know that sort of music and entertainment industry gossip email and uh it's very good on there yesterday which but i double checked it and looked it up they pointed out that in reading there is an ayrton senna road because ayrton senna used to live in a suburb of reading called tilehurst in the early 80s when he was relatively unknown and so in 1995 after he died they named a new street after him it's a dead end and it has speed bumps on it, which I think is a little disappointing. But <laughs> they didn't stop there. They're obviously so proud of the fact that Ayrton Senna, not from Reading, obviously, because <laughs> he lived in Reading for a couple of years. He's got a road named after him. And there's the Ayrton Senna Children's Playground. And moreover, there is a town centre named after him in Scotland. Air Town Centre. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's true. That You're breaking up. You're breaking up. Shut yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's have, take another question. Somebody asked, favourite car books. Have you got a favourite car book? I'll start it off. I remember reading a book called Project Bobcat when I was about 17, I think, when the first oh, Fiesta wow. came out. It was a story of the development of the Ford Fiesta. God, I loved hey. that book. Yeah? What? what? Oh, well, Richard's. Oh, it's going to be one of Richard's Really? <laughs> what? How to Become a Formula One Driver. Is that the, that sounds my That's a very book. good book, by the way, How to Become a Formula One Driver. What, Richard? Oh, there it is! Oh, <laughs> it's called. It's called. Let's, Let's call, call it, it Fiesta. Fiesta. Yeah. 
the, the autobiography of Ford's project, Bobcat. Wow. So it was, a, it was a basically a big PR job. It was written by a journalist who was given permission to follow the development of that car. Well, I'm very proud of this copy. It was given to me by a friend of mine who actually Sarah discovers that Sarah is working with at the moment. And my friend, Big John, gave me this for my birthday and he got it from a second-hand place. And look, it was originally bought Ooh. by British Leyland for internal use for that, some reason. That's the providence you love more so than anything, Richard Porter. That I, I enjoy. But yeah, this is quite an interesting book. It's not as interesting as, bear with me, I'm going to have to disconnect. For a okay, second. yeah. I, I liked it because they showed the concepts of the other rivals to the Fiesta design, and one of them was um, based on the Escort, shortened Escort chassis. It was called Brenda. That's what I remember from reading that book. I think it was a shortened Escort because the Escort was rear-wheel drive at that point. The Fiesta was brand new and front-wheel drive. They, they were talking about a shortened rear-wheel drive car as one of the possible alternatives. Ah, and Brenda right, was. Yeah. It was one that was turned down. Brenda was the Mark II or Mark III, Mark II Escort. They used to name the Fords. They used to give them code names based on women in the engineering office typing pool, I think. So there was Brenda and... Um, I can't remember, Sierra had one as well. And there was, I think it was a Monica at one point. They were, just, they were just women who worked in the office and they were guys. They we didn't have a Janine. Oh. That's the voice yeah. that Alex Guy does for the show. Janine, she didn't work there. <laughs> right, that's it. Yeah. Sarah, um, you read any books recently, car books? Not recently, but I don't think I'm as well read as you guys. But I have read a couple of motorsport books. I have read Richard's How to Become a Formula One Driver. That's quite a good read. Um, <laughs> I've read Damon Hill's autobiography a little bit. I've read another book about Ross. Braun, interestingly enough. So I know his influence on the sport. So a few sort of geeky books like that, but I can't say that I'm as widely read as reading about a fiesta. Well, but, you know, before you jump if you want a, if you want a good book, book. Sarah, can I recommend yeah. Metro, the book of the car by Ooh. Graham Robson? It's, it's a yeah. rightful fiesta. Riveting it? got a lot of. Uh, Does it have of... a happy ending though, Richard? Well, I suppose technically not. I mean, within the confines of the book, it does, but we all know how the story actually ended. It has got some quite good stories in it, like how a load of the prototypes were lost because there was a fire one night in the tunnels underneath Longbridge. They used to build aircraft parts in during the war, yeah. so these sort of air raid tunnels, and they just used them in the 70s for storing cars in, and they stored some prototypes down there, and a fire broke out, and they realized there was a fire down there because the floor in the office upstairs suddenly got very hot. <laughs> It's a bit of a giveaway. Yeah, so it has got some quite good stories in it, the old Metro book. I noticed someone on the comments, a couple of people said that I've missed the open goal by not promoting my own new book. Sarah did it for you. Oh, no, your new book, which is uh, volume two, is it? No, so a medium-sized book of boring car trivia is my current book. But yes, volume two will be out quite soon. Very good. Soonish. By popular demand. They're after good motion books to read. I would recommend... Yeah, any recommendations uh, for well, okay. your value? Uh, <laughs> I just had to uh, remind myself what the, the title of the book, Life at the Limit. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sid Watkins' autobiography, basically. But he was Formula One's resident doctor for many years. Oh, yes. Was, um, you know, he, did he, he make was a film about that? Quite, he was quite instrumental in, you know, in bringing the sport on in terms of safety. Yeah, um, I know. That. I, I did watch a film about that. Is he American? No, he's a no. Brit. But, um, okay, maybe not. Brit, the wrong guy. Zog, that book, that very book, Professor Life Sid Watkins' Life at the Limit, which is yeah. currently being used to stand the tripod on that the webcam that he's shooting me <laughs> now, otherwise I would have held it up on screen. Yeah, I mean, he changed Formula One, helped it become safe enough to become a bankable PR opportunity 
opportunity for multinationals. And he writes very movingly and with a lot of insight yeah, yeah. about various episodes yeah. in the sport. And he's a good storyteller and he was there at the front line. There's a tremendous account of him being driven from the track to the airport by Gilles Villeneuve on one occasion. And, mm. you know, Gilles Villeneuve was a bit of a maniac on the road, particularly yes. in a higher car that he <laughs> didn't care about. And he mentioned that at the start of the drive, Gilles' wife was with them. And at the start of the journey, before they even set off, Mrs. Villeneuve, who was in the back of the car, just got on the floor of the car and kind of nestled herself securely somewhere where she wasn't going to be sort of, you know, bumped around too much and where she was going to be nice and safe. She did this almost every time, apparently. But yeah, it's a great read and a great insight into that period of Formula One. Guys, I just looked on the shelves here in my office to try and find the definitive car-related book that we should all read. And in fact, I imagine most people have read it probably several times, memorised it, perhaps treated it as some kind of holy text. And, of course, it's this, A History oh, of British Motorways. A History of British Motorways. Well done, Richard. God. Yeah, <laughs> it's the old testicle, that is, isn't it? Uh, yeah, by George Charles. I'm rereading it at the moment. <laughs> I've no idea why I've got <laughs> this. I haven't actually read it. Someone in the comments has actually come up with a sensible suggestion, which I would agree with Adrian Newey's book. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's really good. Adrian um, Builders and Yeah. yeah. Cool, um, uh, I only read books about people called D. Hill, Dave Hill from Slade and uh, <laughs> Damon Hill, of course. Actually, this is the book I was going to mention. Steve Matchett or Mr. Mache, oh, yeah, The Chariot Makers, which was a glorious book I read a long time ago and actually inspired a song in Gareth Jones on Speed, a song that Anna Marie sang for us in the style of Amy Winehouse called Back to Black. The song, our song, Back to Black, was all about the use of carbon fibre. And I remember learning from this book how you lay on multiple layers of carbon fibre. It's almost like a spiral angle to each other uh, to create something strong in every possible direction. Great book, The Chariot Makers by Steve Maychet. Steve Matchett. Maychet. You have to read the book to know why it's Maychet. Okay, thank you. Good questions. Uh, Should we have some more messages? I'm looking at the time. I said this would be an hour long. I have a feeling it's going to be an hour and a half. Let's see how that goes. But let's have some more messages, I think, from people who are connected to the programme or fans of the programme who aren't with us in person. This message is from a professional musician, Gareth's greatest music collaborator, the de facto leader of the On Speed Live band, Steve Allen Jones. Hello there from a sunny but not very tidy recording studio here in Real. I'd just like to wish happy birthday to Gareth Jones On Speed and indeed all the lunatics and participants who've made that wonderful podcast come to life. I'm actually one of them. I help Gareth on various musical matters. It's very rarely a week or two goes by before I get an email from Gareth to say, can you just help me with this piece of music? I need a verse or a chorus or the mix isn't quite right or something like that. And what I tend to do is go, yeah, it's pretty good, but maybe if you just tweak this and this and this, then it's okay. So yes, it's been quite a pleasure. I've known Gareth for a very, very long time, over 10 years, well over 10 years. I suppose the highlight for me would be the live gig, gosh, I don't know when that was now, up in Islington with an all-star band, which was absolutely great fun and, again, chaos, but it doesn't matter because it was wonderful to be on that stage with all those people and see all you guys in the audience. So, as I say, happy birthday, Gareth Jones on Speed. Let's have a cheeky drink soon and toast the next 400 episodes. We are thrilled to have received this message of goodwill from big fan of the podcast, the editor-in-chief of Autocar magazine, 
Steve Cropley. Hello, Gareth. Cropley here. I gather it's 400 episodes for you of your remarkably fine podcast. I can hardly believe it's a tremendous achievement. Well done. The thing that I remember best about you and your podcast was running into you for the first time in 2008 at Le Mans. And I don't remember what the hell happened in Le Mans. I think something Peugeot, but I really couldn't tell you. But I remember being deeply pissed off that it was over because you went home and so did I. And we were no longer knocking around together. It was a great episode, mate, and I'm sure you've made a hell of a lot of people happy before and since. So I hope it goes well, and many congratulations, and we'll be thinking about you. Best wishes. See ya. Oh, when people like Steve Cropley like your show, it makes your heart pitter-patter a little bit faster. Uh, Richard, you were there. We were there at Le Mans together in 2008 with Steve Cropley. That was the year Which that... The, year was that? the Peugeot year that we slept on the floor of the Peugeot Hospitality Unit. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah. Well, yeah, if, I, I missed that year, I'm afraid. Yeah. Sorry. So when, would you like to get into an agreeable people carrier and be driven down the road to the agreeable house where you could have a bed? And, and, <laughs> and you and me both went... Nah, we're hardcore. We will stay up and watch the racing. So we stayed up because we went, oh, we'll go into that. We had we were allowed into that hospitality thing, weren't we? We had we? free had champagne for 24 hours, yeah. Some sofas <laughs> and there's some bean bags, and we'll go in there and we'll kip down. It'll be fine. Went in there. Of course, lots of other people had already had the same idea. And then I forgot that you're an ex-roadie and you can sleep literally anywhere, like <laughs> standing up or in a cup. Or <laughs> that something. actually happened went, oh, once. You know, I'm going to kip down here. And you just went behind a big table and lay on the floor and went to sleep. And I was like, I can't do that. Wow, there's no way I could do that. I've, I've never been a roadie. So I actually I just got a picture of you lying on the floor on my computer. You? Yeah, I'll share it somewhere. I think I'm sleeping. I think I'm trying to sleep. Yeah. But um, I think I just got up and... But then we did go back to the chateau for the wind down after the race and went out for dinner, I think, on Sunday evening as well. Oh, no, you went back, did you? I had to go home. So I had to, I was like, I suddenly was like, have you ever been on a French exchange when you were at school and you got separated from the group? It felt like that because I had to make my way across Paris on my own with a a horrible sort of possibly still drunk, possibly getting a hangover kind of feeling. (laughs) So almost the Eurostar. It was too much for my brain to take on board on like an hour's sleep tops. And it was, yeah, I got all a bit disorientated on the Paris Metro. And Peugeot didn't win that year. And we traveled there with them. We flew in on a light plane from Farnborough, didn't we? And they didn't win that year, much to their disappointment. But got to hang out with Steve Cropley, who mentions it in his column. Look, there's me in autocar. This week's today's autocar, Steve Cropley, page 15. That's the one with the new BMW 1 Series on the front. Uh, 2 Series. What is that now? I've lost track. 128Ti. Yeah. He writes about being at Le Mans with us and promoted this lovely show. What a lovely man. Thank you, Steve Cropley. Thank you. Hang on. Violet is laughing her socks off just over here. I have to find out what's going on. I don't know if she can tell me. I'm just going to go to webcam for a minute. Where's my webcam? Hang on. Stand by. She's she's writing in the comments. What are you saying, V? It's because uh, Leighton Brown put a message in the comments saying, "Yes, the half-hearted bloody hell, Richard. Come on, give it the full Patrick head." Okay. <laughs> okay, Richard. Violet just saying Leighton Brown has written that was a very half-hearted bloody hell, Richard. Yeah, I just saw, and now I can't do a real one because my children are sleeping down below me. So, <laughs> right. um, a problem I imagine Patrick had. 
uh, commonly had when his children were small. But yeah, I don't want to wake my kids up. And really, you can't do it at half volume. It just doesn't work. Bloody hell. I don't know. I'll post you one. <laughs> I'd just like to say that I'd quite like to know whether in Steve Allen Jones' um, uh, message. video message, whether yeah. that was an original Korg MS-20 in the background or whether it's the more recent three-quarter scale controller for the Korg vintage collection of analog models since. I don't know I if Steve is with I us live right now, but if he's on the comments, he can let us know the answer to that. If not, I'll ask him. And just referring back to Alex's message, I'm glad that you mentioned the Guinness tent at Le Mans. I mean, we've discussed a few Le Mans things on this show so far, but yeah, I think very good times were had in that Guinness tent. I think Korg, Moog and N-Sonic should get into the electric car business, shouldn't they? They should make cars. You could have the Moog and then the smaller one would be, of course, the Mini Moog, wouldn't it? If you want to put money on any electronic music manufacturers being involved in the electric car business, my money will be on Kurtzfile being the ones most likely to have a connection because... Made the organs. Uh, no, um, Ray Kurtzweil, they started out mainly doing uh, some, some very good digital pianos using... That would make a great sports car, yeah. Well, the thing is, that it was kind of a spin-off of work that Ray Kurtzweil was doing on artificial intelligence. The whole music technology thing was very much a side gig for him. Right. Uh, and he's still a very big cheese in the world of artificial what intelligence. What you're saying, Zog, is it's that these cars would be self-driving. Yeah, I mean, I really don't know, but it would not surprise me at all if something that Ray Kurzweil had worked on was in some way finding its way into autonomous car technology. Yeah. yeah. Sarah, yeah. what are your favourite brands? If you're going to wear a brand, what do you put your money on? I've got Nike socks, you know. I like Slade. That's my brand. I'm trying to think of what brand would be a good brand to manufacture cars. I'd definitely buy a Moog or a Korg or a Boss or something like that, or even a Tonka toy. That'd make a great car, wouldn't it? Sarah, what's your favourite brands? Have you got any favourite brands? Any brand allegiance? Well, any brand allegiance. That doesn't necessarily have to be a manufacturer or existing manufacturer. That could actually maybe turn into a manufacturer, like a YSL or a Chanel. Is Chanel, yeah, yeah. 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 A non-car brand, just non-car you know. Brand. I think Chanel might do all right. It'd get a lot of sales in yeah. China. That's for sure. Yeah, good point. I drive mm. a Chanel Five. Didn't, didn't, I think Has there ever been a tie between Chanel and a French car manufacturer? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some point there'd been a Chanel. The Citroen DS Chanel. I think they did. I think they DC. did a tie-up with Fiat. For the 500, did they, or am I thinking of somebody else? Maybe. I mean, Carl Lagerfeld probably did a fashion show Someone around Someone in the comments will tell us, I suspect, any time now. I hope so, because yeah. I can't check. Yeah, I but would drive a Gucci. A Gucci. a Gucci? It was Gucci. I beg your pardon. <laughs> Gucci did a link with the Fiat did 500. Really? There was a 500 Gucci. Yes, yes, yes. Got right into it. Very good. Somebody was asking about the music. Yeah, I saw that comment. Yeah, who was it? Was asking about the music. Nia Khan, I think, was asking about the music that we make for the program, which leads me to our next thing. I've written a song. I've written loads of songs. Over 160 songs for Gareth Jones' feed, all about cars over the 400 episodes. 160 songs. That's 10 albums or something. And I've written a special song for this episode and shot a video for it because we can't just sit here and look at you you've got to have something to look at and this was a song that was inspired by my time in america last year i spent eight weeks in america on tour with the alarm and had two days off and one of those days off i went to the peterson 
Automotive Museum in Los Angeles, California. I made two or three episodes of Gareth Jones on Speed, augmented audio episodes with stills, you know. And that inspired a song, and I recorded it, having been to see Griff Rees. You know Griff Rees from Super Furry Animals? Super Furry Animals and Neon Neon. Yeah, exactly. Iron Man. He's got provenance as far as songs about cars are concerned. So his song, in the style of Griff Rees' solo work for Gareth Jones on Speed, it's called Science Fiction Cars. Now, baby, why don't you take a straight there right now? 
Sci-fi cars are here right now. What's we living with? the first half of Gareth Jones on Speed episode 400 live. Catch the rest of the show in the next edition of this podcast, Gareth Jones on Speed. Or you can just go to youtube.com slash Gareth Jones TV and watch it on the channel there if you want. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to GarethJones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! Speed! Speed!